This is Dojo Live, Tech Without Borders, stories that bring us together. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Dojo Live. I'm Tulio Suragusa, broadcasting from Southern California. Today is Thursday, September 2nd, 2021. This is the last show of the week, and I'm joined by Kim Lantis in Hermosillo, Mexico, and Carlos Ponce in Cuernavaca, Mexico. Hi, guys. Welcome back. Thank you. We've had a great week. It's been a lot of fun, fun shows. So let's, you know, no pressure, David. Uh, welcome to the show. We have David Franklin, <laughs> who's the founder and CEO at No, no Orex health and he's joining us today we're talking about uh, how consumers can become empowered patients you know the role technology can play in improving our health a uh, very important topic very relevant for today but before we go into the topic let's get to know david a little bit if you could please give us a little bit of background about yourself uh please introduce yourself david welcome again yeah, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity being here today. I'm David Franklin, founder CEO of NORX. I'm based in Austin, Texas. I've been here for about 24 years. Uh, from a career standpoint, um, before I got into technology, or, or I've kind of always been in technology. I'm a U.S. Navy Gulf War veteran, and there I was in communications. And from the military, after eight years in the military, I transitioned out and continued basically my uh, technology career. Uh, navigated from the East Coast back in, into Texas. I'm originally from St. Louis. I'm the youngest of uh, seven kids and um, really worked on uh, solution architecting, uh, was able to participate in a couple IPOs um, and then moved into consulting and then always had a desire for continuous education. So my first program was Biblical Studies at Moody Bible Institute. Then I went to Penn State for organizational leadership and then machine learning with MIT. And through this conversation, you will see how all of that comes together in uh, the applications and the designs that we're building. Very interesting. You know, they say that uh, if you decode the Bible, it's actually a big software code. It's a <laughs> bunch of uh, mathematics. True. That's what the Kabbalah is all about. Yeah. Anyway, let's continue well, on. Thank you. And thank you for your service. I have to say, there's so many. I always get this idea of like Forrest Gump. We have so many guests who've done so much in their lives in so many different facets. It's quite mm -hmm. impressive. And yeah. David, you're now you're now one of our Forrest Gump guests mm -hmm. in the adventure of your life. All right, let's get to know no or X, pun intended. Tell us what gave birth to this idea and what you guys do. Yeah, so NORX is, is really a combination of uh, our acronyms of two words, knowledge and prescriptions. So it's helping consumers, whether they're on medication or not, so whether they're a patient or not, understand medication management and the medications they may be on better and how it impacts their body and how they can have a better routine or uh, uh, less impact of that medication, better conversations with their physicians, especially as uh, healthcare transitions into digital technology, we have to meet the person where they're at, and that's in the palm of their hands, on their devices. And healthcare has to meet them there without expecting them coming in. And plus, we also, what's very important to us is keeping the patient at the center of the equation. Now, NORX was created 
from a very uh, traumatic uh, experience. I lost my father in 2018 due to a medication-induced side effect while he was in an ICU. And I would commute back and forth for six weeks between Austin and Columbia, Missouri, um, only to lose my father at 72 when he went in for a, a lung biopsy and never uh, could make it out. Uh, and through that experience, um, I came up with NARX, knowledge about prescriptions, not only to help patients, uh, but to help physicians, nurses, pharmacists. Um, I understand that I cannot save his life, but what I can do and what I strongly believe is that we can help improve the quality of life of everybody who's on medication. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, we're sorry for your loss. And uh, it's it's such an amazing uh, gift when people use such a traumatic situation to create value for everybody else in the world. So let's dig in and see what we can learn today, guys. Carlos, please, let's uh, kick it off. Absolutely. Thank you, Tulio. And of course, thanks, David, for being with us today. So um, it seems that we're going to be answering one question today. The question is, how can consumers become empowered patients? Mm -hmm. So for that, we're going to be having a conversation with David today around the topic. And the topic is going to be using technology to improve health outcomes. So that's uh, the topic as chosen by our guests today. So let's start there. David, why did you choose this particular topic and why did you feel it was relevant for today's day and age? Thank you. Yeah, it, you know, it kind of goes back uh, to my father in, in caring for him in his final days. Uh, after losing him uh, as his youngest son, I wanted to blame somebody. He's a technologist, I wanted to fix something. Uh, and the technology is easy, right? What's hard is change management and in personal lives, our discipline, our behaviors to adapt to technology, for example. But as a son, uh, you know, I wanted uh, to blame several people, the staff, his caregivers, um, ourselves being away and not being able to communicate with them or understand if he's taking his medication or not. The nurses, the pharmacists, you know, there's a whole line um, that has a part to play with it. But to empower a patient, what we're here, we're talking about is being able to give you the opportunity to have better conversations, helping you be, increase your health literacy, uh, having an accountability partner uh, through technology, and, and just taking ownership of your health and not being reliant on the system to provide health uh, guidance and instructions to you. Uh, so this is how we empower the patient to one, uh, through those, those four areas, uh, to help identify them to be unique and, and not a, a number in a system um, and have a voice. All right. I love Thank that. You. Let's talk about the number of voices. Now, as I listen to your story and the problem that you're trying to solve, I can't help but immediately think of, you know, high profile cases. For example, Heath Ledger, I believe, was a victim to mixed medications. And maybe it's not until something like that comes up that the rest of us even think about this risk or the reality of what's happening. What's some statistics? Like, are you familiar? I'm assuming you're very familiar with those numbers. Like, uh, how much of a risk is this and how big is this problem that you and NoRx are solving? Well, there's, there's a uh, humanistic problem and then there's an industry problem. From an industry standpoint, 
medication adherence leads to readmissions, which is around a $300 billion a year problem solely within the United States. Um, so then you look at loss of work, uh, maybe loss of school, uh, loss of productivity, quality of life decreases. So those that's a big impact there, right? Uh, sometimes it seems like a, a simple solution to take some medication, but 50% of the people, so you look at a population of the United States, 330 million people, 50% of them do not adhere to their medication schedule on time or they don't complete their schedule. Only 4% of the people don't even pick up their medications, right? So these are huge problems that we have in adapting and taking uh, the medication as well. Now, in addition to that, we have to look at in 2020, just last year, 4.5 billion prescriptions were filled in the United States. Now add on to that, that 50% and that 24%. So there's a lot of medication being dispersed uh, into the, the public ecosystem. David, wow. from the, I'd like yeah. to ask you a question from the, the let's call it the, uh, the user perspective or the layman's perspective. I would be interested in asking you, because you're in health uh, technology and uh, health-related technology, I would be interested in uh, uh, what sort of, uh, let's call it changes or major, if applicable, even pivots you have witnessed in the space uh, after last year. And I, this is sort of something that we've discussed in other conversations we've had with uh, other tech uh, business leaders. So I would be interested in your particular take on, in your space, how did last year, if applicable, if at all, redefined your own journey? Yeah, it, it, it has. We're very fortunate. Uh, we started or we launched in uh, 2019. Um, and 2020 was a pivoting year. A lot of the pivot was around our messaging and how to push forward uh, when healthcare systems and pharmaceutical companies were busy with vaccines and just treating patients. Uh, one of the biggest shifts from an industry standpoint was telehealth uh, in being able to give access to patients in their homes uh, remotely and extend mm -hmm. care without putting them into an environment which could be worse for them or uh, using those environments for those that really needed it and not more common issues. So telehealth was very big and important part of uh, 2020, and it will continue to be there. Uh, there's some gaps uh, within telehealth, because one thing we have to do as patients always to remember, uh, even in a telehealth ecosystem, is our trusted advisor is a primary care physician uh, who we need to build and establish a long-term relationship with. Uh, so even if there's an inconvenience of driving uh, and going through traffic and going over distances, that primary care physician is very key in our ownership of health because they're, they're not different every time we engage with somebody from a healthcare system. Uh, we get to establish and build that relationship. And this is why digital health is going to be uh, more concrete in reestablishing and, and firming up those relationships that uh, could have disappeared over the pandemic. Certainly. So what role is NoRx playing in this? Like, as we come into the show, my immediate association was sort of this checks and balances, the safety net to make sure that I'm not inadvertently harming myself with my medication. But what else do you do? You were mentioning maybe I'm not even taking it appropriately. I'm not taking it on time. So what do you offer to your users? Yeah. So 
we have what's called a double-sided market. So we, we sell to pharmaceutical, CROs, uh, healthcare providers on one side. And we have a free mobile application for consumers, uh, which can be patients on the other side. Now, <clears throat> in this scenario for the patient, uh, we increase their health literacy by extending um, um, approved, credible information, not only from their primary care physician, um, through uh, institutions and just increase their level of knowledge about health. We digitize the pharmacy label. So a lot of times we take the pharmacy label, we put it in the kitchen drawer or we dispose of it. There's valuable information there. So what we do with that information is we digitize it, put it in machine learning algorithms and provide recommendations. Because here what's very important for us is understanding associated side effects that could be attributed to that medication, especially when you have compounded medications is there a probability of a side effect increasing? So we bring your awareness around that. Then we have accountability, which is very important to us and different than some of our competitors. Because if I'm sick, I want somebody close to me who knows me uh, that agrees to be my accountability partner to reach out to me and say, hey, David, we noticed you missed your medicine or you missed it consistently. Are you having a side effect? Is something going on? We love you. Uh, we want you to be well. Uh, please update the application so your physician and pharmacist will know there's a change in the pattern that's going on. So those are some simple things there. Push notifications of when to take your medicine, take it with food, without food, before a meal, after a meal. How do you incorporate medicines when you change time zones? These uh, are important factors. And then just a, a performance indicator of uh, showing you how you're taking it. And then as we grow, we will have uh, wearables, connected devices, and all that come into the application as well to give you a 360 view of the uniqueness of your health. So I'm, so I'm curious yeah. um, as it relates to helping consumers. So you help them with education. Is there a plan to also incorporate like a calendar? Because I think you, you mentioned about uh, how to deal with time zone changes, but is there a way to, is there a plan to perhaps integrate with like uh, iOS or Android and the native calendar? So someone actually has when they're supposed to take their medication, the reminders built into it. Uh, that's the first question. And the second is, there, are there plans to work with pharmacy groups where when someone take gets a prescription, it automatically links up to their no no or x application that gives them the kind of education that's not in that pamphlet that you can barely read that's all technical jargon but it's actually in a language people understand what's your th thinking in terms of really meeting people where they are and simplifying how when they take the medication and also the partnerships that are going to be needed I to potentially increase awareness and adoption what are your thoughts there yeah, so from the notification standpoint, right now we just use nudge or push notifications so you get a pop-up on your, your phone or say your, your watch, for example. Okay. Uh, and then we can look at uh, potentially moving it over uh, into a calendar device. But generally speaking, your watch or your phone's near you or on you most of the time. And there's some fun things we can do there as well. Uh, but that's where the first notifications go. And you actually have a, a complete schedule inside of the application as well of when you're taking it. Uh, so that's one piece is, is we, we do have uh, incentives and rewards in the application. So if you take your medication on time through completion, then what we're doing from a partnership standpoint 
is we want to work with pharmaceutical companies or pharmacies. We want to work with payers. So you get a discount on your next prescription. You get a discount into your next uh, healthcare provider visit, or you get a discount at a local gym or local health uh, or health and food establishment. All of these things are there to encompass you around uh, really change behaviorship of adopting a healthier lifestyle, a healthier mind, a healthier body, healthier outcomes. Cool. cool. I imagine that accessibility um, is something that you really take to heart, like with your application. I imagine that most of your users on the the consumer side, the the mobile app side, maybe are older, maybe they're visually impaired, or even young. Like if my child is diabetic or of the sort, and I need to take care of my child. So, what are you doing, like on the usability side, or helping your users, you know, with that accessibility? Uh, one area we're working on from an integration standpoint is like with Alexa. Uh, my mom, she just turned 80 last week and she has Parkinson's. Um, and she's not comfortable with digital phones. She has an old flip phones with big numbers. So the application doesn't work for her there. But through Alexa, she can, Alexa can notify her to take a medication. And then she speaks back to Alexa, which then updates the application. So when she's in St. Louis or uh, in her home in St. James, I can see on the application, uh, because I'm a caregiver, that she's actually taking her medication. So that's one way. Same thing for somebody younger, uh, like a child. You can then add in uh, their medication schedule, and you monitor that and give that to them, especially when they're not of an age of accountability where they're taking it themselves. Now, our, our general target audience uh, really is around 28 to 58-year-olds. Um, and this is the reason because they are digital and as we age, we will come into that senior population automatically. Um, now seniors are on more medications, but it's actually millennials or the younger population who, who don't adhere to medication as much as they should. Interesting. <laughs> Finish your antibiotics, people. <laughs> Maybe you mentioned telehealth and we were uh, discussing the uh, what happened last year and how it affected a lot of tech companies out there. So, <clears throat> how did uh, was th this whole year, the last year that we were touching on, was it the reason why uh, IHI was created, uh, Individual Health Insights, or is it something that was you know went back way way before that time? And you just you know, the, the the year that just passed or the year that we uh, experiencing boost the idea or the platform. Yeah, it, it, it actually drew the requirements in sooner than expected. Because uh -huh. here in a telehealth setting, uh, you have what, what we call objective uh, markers. So an, a patient takes their own blood pressure, their pulse oximeter, their heart rate, which are all uh, counter uh, biomarkers for COVID, right? You have to look at the pulse ox, the blood pressure, the heart rate. You have to look at these different things and you can't do that from a telehealth perspective. Um, so you have devices like we integrate with um, and those measures will come automatically into the application. So there's a little bit more credibility to the numbers. And so it can be extended out to the telehealth uh, physician or to your physician. Uh, case in point, some of, some of the healthcare providers did not have telehealth services and some of them are still working on that today. So that gave leverage to telehealth really coming into their own category outside of the hospital. All right, thank you. Thank you, David. 
Okay, back it's, to you guys. It's an interesting dilemma. You know, you don't think about it some sometimes. Like the, to be more effective at telehealth, you got to have some sort of equipment at home, right, to be able to take some measurements to give that feedback. Interesting. So, um, how does it get delivered now? Is it an application? Is it just a note? A push notification. How does someone actually subscribe to No NoRx today? How does that work? Yeah. So currently, and I don't think you can see it, but we do have a mobile app. It's going through security reviews. We speak uh, for both uh, Apple and Android. So within the coming weeks, uh, the the first MVP or the first edition will be uh, going live into the marketplace, and we'll be taking more feedback from consumers and patients on how to make adjustments. Uh, so for consumer patients, it is a mobile application. For physicians, pharmacists, they have a secure web portal. And if the patient elects to share information or connect and share information, then they can do that with them because they're the ones in power. They own it. It's their information. I'm curious to know your relationship with the pharmaceutical companies. Obviously, you're needing to handle and have access to a large amount of data. Uh, so what does that relationship look like? Um, how do you determine which medications are available inside <clears throat> NoRx? Okay, that's a great question. Thank you for asking that. Uh, the pharmaceutical side is actually the buyer. So that's who we sell to. Um, and what we sell to them is how to op uh, optimize your recruitment, how to retain participants as uh, patients inside of a clinical trial, and how they do their site selection. So by having the mobile application, um, if you don't know, 76% of patients said they would participate in a clinical trial if the opportunity was given to them. So we have a wealth of people that are not participating and we need a robust, diverse, inclusive uh, group of people inside of clinical trials because the outcome of those trials are medications that are be given uh, to all different types of people. So we need a, a, a very diverse group of people inside of clinical research opportunities. So we're able to send down information, questionnaires, surveys uh, to the patient on the mobile application, and they can decide how they want. They can speak to their physician, their trusted provider, and they can look at the opportunities to participate in clinical research, uh, which is something we have to do more of. So, really is, the plan, so is the plan to then also connect the user to give feedback you know so let's say someone's learning about a medication they just sort of new blood pressure medication they get familiar with what they could expect or what they should expect uh, etc right but maybe as the person takes it they have some unique circumstances that triggers a different kind of side effect right how do they is it going to eventually enable for the users to share their own experiences and could that be shared with researchers or pharmaceutical companies in order for them to enhance their R&D and begin to track perhaps things that didn't come up during the clinical trials or the FDA process, which is hard to believe because most medications take like a decade to get approved. But still, I'm just curious if it's also designed to eventually allow the consumer, the users, to interact and provide feedback so that there's a bilateral cooperation in the learning and the knowledge that's shared uh, across people's experiences. Is that something that's come up or would that be very yeah. challenging? No, well, well, no, that's one of the things we're, we're directly trying to address. 
uh, we have um, um, a platform called uh, the Four Pillars of Therapeutic Equity. And in this diagram, you have to have uh, the right data, you have to have physicians, you have to have patients, and you have to have a closed feedback loop, right? You have to get information from, in real life, from the patient back into the healthcare provider's hands, into the drug research, the manufacturer's hands. Now, in these scenarios, first, when you uh, put in a side effect or put in any, you know, any symptoms you may be encountering, it will go to your primary care physician. That's where your relationship is, right? Now, on a larger scale, from a data aggregation standpoint, uh, we will have de-identified. So nobody will know who you are, where you are, um, where you live, any of your personal PII information. But this data aggregation will be able to be uh, researched on and looked at from that point of view. Now, going back to Kim's earlier question, all active drugs that are released and approved by the FDA are available in our application, but also what's important too is over-the-counter medication. So Tylenol, Motrin, Advil, Excedrin, like this, <coughs> Benadryl, uh, seasonal things. Uh, we want you to be able to put those in there as well. Wow. So real quick before we move on to culture, not to talk about biting the hand that feeds you, but is there also an element to offer users alternatives? Let's say if I'm having a bad side effect with this medication, maybe this something similar will be beneficial to me, or even if it comes down to something as simple as cost, uh, how does that come into play? No, thank you. So what we do, this, this is kind of magical, I think, um, is that we really trigger off of side effects. So if we know this is a medication, say it's a semostatin, and here are known side effects or potential side effects, then what we do is we add complementary uh, services around uh, nutrition, uh, wholeness, or wellness, holistic, arteriovedic, uh, yoga, mindfulness. So in this case with a semostatin for cholesterol, uh, you may need to increase your fiber. Well, how can you naturally increase your fiber? Uh, you, you may need to walk more or do stretches um, or other medications may um, may produce uh, more anxiety or potential depression. So breathing and understanding meditation and mindfulness will come into play. So based off your medication schedule and our, the side effects, we will cater information to you. You will have a whole content of information, but we will sort of bring these to the top knowing the potential side effects uh, that you could potentially have. It truly is empowering. Yeah. Uh, David, we're approaching the final segment of today's conversation, and I wouldn't want to go without asking you specifically about um, what's important for you at the, as, as a company. Uh, we might have viewers out there who might at some point want to might want to come work for you, for example. So what would you say to these folks about the company in order to reel in the, the best of talent that's going to be aligned with your mission and, 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 and the way that you feel that things should be internally? Yeah, so right now, um, we're just five people. We're a small company um, and we're going after funding. Um, we're gonna open up a raise and then we need resources. Uh, but we need resources who align to the mission, who have passion about healthcare, about their personal health. Um, and some of them maybe have gone through challenging circumstances as well. Uh, we are an open environment for everybody uh, who wants to help increase health outcomes for themselves and for the people they love close to them. 
so that's very important to us. And it's all driven by passion. The passion, uh, you know, the application really is representative of my father in many ways. Um, and it's, 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 it's where I have to get it uh, into the market to come to life. So, you know, sometimes I say uh, in death, I found life and I found a creation of doing something and being able to hand it off to people uh, that appreciate that passion and that will nurture it and help it grow. Amazing. Well, you. Uh, you, David, uh, we're up on time. It's been great speaking with you today. Thanks for sharing your journey and, uh, and thank you for doing what you're doing. It's so needed for everyone. Uh, to just be more knowledgeable about the interactions we have with medicine and, and our health. So uh, we wish you a lot of success as you build this. We'll definitely have to have you back maybe in a year and just maybe hear some use cases from you. Stay with us as we go off the air uh, in just a minute. Uh, just want to remind everyone, Monday's a holiday, so we will not be live for the recap show, but the team is going to be recording the recap show tomorrow, and we will air it at the usual time. It will be aired at 12 p.m. Pacific on Monday, even though we'll, we'll probably be barbecuing for Labor Day. So <laughs> there'll be a recap show of all the three shows we had this week because we decided that the shows were too good not to recap them and take a day off. So that's the plan, guys. But what do we got we're, coming up we'll for the rest into of the our value of commitment. That's right. Commitment before ego. Uh, what, what's going on with the rest of the week, Carlos? What do we got Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of next week? Well, it's only going to be Tuesday and Wednesday, Tulio, because if you remember, tomorrow is our, our uh, uh, company-wide meeting and Thursday. So we're not going to have a show on Thursday, but the on Tuesday, we're going to be speaking with uh, Air Agility, and the conversation will be with uh, the Pramod Rahija. I hope I pronounced it correctly. The founder and the CEO of Air Agility, and also on um, Wednesday, we're going to be speaking with. Uh, Gary Goldberg, the founder and CEO of Squad Locker. So that's what we have for next week, guys. Stay tuned right here on Dojo Live at 12 p.m. Pacific, Tuesday and Wednesday. And as ever, of course, thanks, uh, David, for having been with us on the show. Yes. And everybody, stay safe. Uh, have a great holiday weekend, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Check out past episodes, transcripts, blogs, and more on our website, dojo.nearsoft.com.